Business Matters in association with the Faculty of Business at ATU Donegal. The part-time Level 8 Honours degree in business is delivered through a mix of online and face-to-face lectures. Email execedbusiness at lyit.ie. That's E-X-E-C-E-D-Business at lyit.ie or call 9186206. I'm Kieran O'Donnell. You're welcome to Business Matters. My guest this week is Managing Director of Rethink Money Limited, Sean McNulty. A native of Letterkenny, Sean started out as a financial advisor in 2007. Rethink Money Limited, which has been nine years in the making, is fully licensed by the Central Bank of Ireland. Sean's mission is to harness technology to make personal finance simple and easy to understand. Sean, you're very welcome to Business Matters. Thanks a million, Kieran. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Sean, after nine years uh, of getting set up, you're finally at the start line and up and running with your business. A long time, but I'm sure you're glad to get the stage you're at now. <laughs> An understatement if I've ever, ever heard one. Um, yeah, listen, it's, it's been a long road. We have been on a mission, and the mission is to make personal finance simple for people. Um, as you said, it started out about nine years ago. I was working for a hedge fund bank or an investment bank at the, mo- at the time. And it went back to my financial planning days. I used to work work with a, a national chain doing financial advice, and I just wanted, really, wanted to get back into it because I realised how much I missed helping people understand their finances. Because I loved it and love facts and figures, and I love Excel, bit of a, a buff on that. And I just thought, no, this is simple. There has to be a better way to actually find out about your personal finances because. Something I mentioned earlier as well is like we're not educated on our personal finances. Like in school, we're taught about algebra and quadratic equations and all the nice and glossy stuff, but we're not told what makes us a good candidate for a mortgage, one of the biggest decisions we'll make in our life. How should we plan for a pension? And yeah, listen, I know people might be turning off now when I mention the, the P word and all, but it's the best investment that you'll do because of tax relief and because of time. And at the end of the day, we want to retire with money not retire and live on the state pension, which you know, wouldn't really get you far these days. So when I came back to it then, um, I, I, I had an idea to develop a software to, to teach people about their personal finances. And that's when I left JP Morgan. I did a bit of work with Enterprise Ireland, set up a software. And that was the, the first business. And that software, while we wanted to go to the market and help people, we got swayed in by the banks. And the banks came with their checkbook and says, we really love what you're doing and we really want you to work at our office for free and bring in your software and we'll help you. And they they were just one step short of dangling the check in front of us. And we worked with them. Um, but to be honest, we got stitched at the altar a couple of times and you know things didn't really work out the way we wanted. And we were you know a victim of political changes internally at the bank or personnel changes. The CEO changed at one bank. The head of retail banking changed at another. Um, and then back in 2019, myself and Marchin, who's you know been on the journey with me as a co-founder, Marchin's the, the, the software guy and I'm the finance, we says the only way we're going to control this is if we go to market ourselves. And that meant the long way around. So, so talk to me about the long way around. What, what, what did that entail? So long way around is I started off as a financial advisor back in 2007 and I've always been in around the market, whether it was in hedge funds or collateral or, you know, in the software side of it. But it meant I needed to finish my studies, the QFA exam. So completed the QFM, uh, a few of them, sorry. And then I had to go through the central bank authorization process, which is 
as anyone will tell you, painstaking. Um, especially if you're, you know, a young company and looking to do things very differently and use technology, which hasn't been done before. So that took two years of a process alone, that's application process over and back. And I think our application in the end was maybe 80 different documents in total that we had to submit. But it's terrific. And I was, I was speaking to one of the banks yesterday about this and it was like, you know what, I have no regrets and I don't have any ill feelings towards the central bank for dragging that out because it allows us to, to start with our best foot forward. You know, our compliance is tied down, all our board of advisors, everything that the central bank wanted to see is there in place. So it means when we start on day one, we start with a strong foot. So that got us where we are now, and we got our authorization cert through. You know, it was actually our letter of intent came through towards the end of last year, but we had, we had a reason to put things off and, and delay things a couple, a couple of months. But then I'm a bit over, more over and back with the central bank, and we finally got it through in, in April this year. So you're on a much more sooner footing now, Sean, to sort of set up. Yeah, absolutely. As I said compliance regulation. You know that those authorizations from the central bank. So we're licensed for insurance, investments, and mortgages to be a, a, an intermediary, a licensed intermediary for those. So we have a very, very solid foundation now, given also that we have the nine years experience of the software and what the, the market wants from a digital financial advisor, because that's essentially what we are looking to do things a little bit differently. Tying all that experience together and what we have been through and all the all the time spent in the ditches, because you know when you're starting a business, there's a lot more time in there than there is on the peaks. So now we're at the start line, and uh, yeah, we're we're very buoyant and very very optimistic about what we can do now. What's the best lesson that you've taken so far on the journey to get your own business set up, Sean? Whew, there's been many. Uh, uh, like I, I love <clears throat> when when people reach out and they say, "Listen, can we have a chat?" Because I'm thinking about starting a business, and you know, I don't consider myself an entrepreneur. I'm I'm a wannabe. You know, I'm not there yet, but I could write a book on things not to do. Um, I think the biggest lesson I've learned is perseverance and just getting up because we got knocked down so many times and we got no's and we oh, I could write a list of, of people who said no, but we at where we're at now, we're much, much stronger because of that. Because I'd sit down if somebody says, no, this isn't good enough for investments um, or I'm, you know, X, Y, Z, no, or whatever the, the, the reason, I, I would sit down and learn from that and say, well, why did that person say no? And I, I wouldn't scoff it or wouldn't just rub it away. It's like, like well, that person says that uh, it's going to be too difficult to do A, B, and C. Well, I'd take that on board and go, well, how can we make it simpler? Because what we're doing with financial services is trying to make things as simple as possible. And I often go back to a quote by Einstein, if you can't explain something simply enough, you don't know it well enough. So what we're doing is harnessing technology to make things about personal finances really, really simple to understand because we all need it at some stage. We talked before we started recording there, Sean. Is there a reluctance uh, among people to sort of get up to speed about their financial situation and is there a fear factor about planning for the future? <sighs> I don't know if there's a fear factor about planning for the future. Everybody wants to do it. The problem I see is that we're not educated about our personal finances. Like I said, in school we're taught about everything, right? But we're not taught about how to be the best candidate for a mortgage. What a credit card mistake in your early 20s will mean for your credit score and your credit rating because that, that can follow you around. And I think 
there's a common understanding between people that if they don't understand it, then it's easier to just brush it under the carpet. Like if you think about things that were advised or authorized to give advice on things like life insurance, which let's just look at plain simple. If you have children, you should have life insurance because children are called dependents. They depend on you and your income to raise them. So if you die tomorrow, your income stops. And I don't want to get morbid on and talk, chat about death and stuff, but you know, simple things like that. But there's when you look over the flip side, people kind of and, and you ask people why don't you have life insurance or why didn't you get it sooner? It's like, oh, well, I was just always meant to get it. And it, it, again, don't want to go into the morbid side, but it's just something that we should just get taken care of. Now, a problem that I see, and obviously what we're doing is we're using software to make things really simple to understand. And one of those things is how much life insurance do you need, for example? Because it's easy to go onto a quote comparison site. Or look at ads on TV and say, oh, life insurance from 233 a week. But what does that mean? You know, for somebody on 15 grand a year versus somebody on 75 grand a year, how much life insurance does that person need? And this is one thing I love about this industry and about the job that I do is every single person I sit down with is different. And it doesn't matter if you're on big money or, or, or on little money or just getting by. Everybody needs help understanding. Um, and what our software will do and what we do is sit down with people and let them know and understand how much exactly they need in terms of life insurance or what their family would need if they weren't here. And the same kind of comes to when you're planning for the future, maybe that's more uh, apt to, to, to your question, is when you're looking at investing and pensions and planning things out, again, it, it just comes down to the education of it. And what we try and do through software and through social media and stuff, just say, listen, this is simple. Like, if you want to put money away for your pension, for example, somebody on a higher tax bracket and they want to start saving for a pension, if they put in 100 euros, the tax man goes, fair play, here's 40 euros back. And that growth is unheard of of any investments. Now, we won't chat about Bitcoin and Ethereum and all those digital currencies because, you know, that's gambling, that's a, a completely different kettle of fish. But, it's just that education to say, well, you know the tax that you're paying every week now between now and retirement, you could funnel some of that into your pension fund, then let your pension fund grow tax-free. And it just makes sense. When you put it down in the black and white and just say, listen, this is how simple it is. So we're looking to cut through all that uncertainty and just make it plain and simple. So are the services you provide, Sean, are they aimed at a particular age category? It's difficult to go to market and not have a primary target market. Okay, so while we try, you know, it's, it's one thing I picked up from the early years is make your software as easy to understand for a six-year-old and for your grandmother, okay, that it's simple. But we have to focus on the fact that the underserved market, and there's a thing called the pension age advice gap, or sorry, not the pension, the advice age gap, is people under 40s, 45 and under, you could say. And these are people who are digital natives. You know, If you look at Ireland today, it's reported, and I might be wrong in the figures, but it's 1.7 million people in Ireland have a Revolut account. So people who want things done easier and differently, that's who we're looking at. And it's people who are starting a family, who are getting a mortgage for the first time, who are thinking about the future. You know, when we when we start adulting, we all have it at some stage. Some might start later than others, and that's all well and good. But it's it's those people who are just starting out and actually just sitting upright in their seat and going, you know what, I have responsibilities now, or 
I don't want to waste my money or my disposable income and keep spending it because that's a great thing that we do. If there's money sitting there in the bank account, wasting away and not earning interest, by the way, we'll spend it. We'll find ways to spend it on because when your card's linked to your Google account, and I'm a victim of it too, and it's just like there's a button there on Amazon saying buy now, and it's just like, ah, it's too easy. And you just go, oh, click, and next thing there's a delivery man. And of course, through COVID, it was a parody that people were, were laughing away about, uh, about, it was like Christmas every day, you know, when the postman landed up, it's like the ice cream van coming around the neighborhood, like who's the UPS guy going to these days? Um, and it's just too easy. So what we do and what all financial advisors do is try and institute a little bit of standardization into your personal finances and a little bit of discipline is probably a better word to say, right, okay, you know, you're earning all this money and you leave the house. Well, sorry, you don't leave the house anymore. More people are working from home, but you get up every day and you work hard and you put up with a lot of stuff and things happening at work. I'll mind my P's and Q's, but to earn that money and for it to go into your bank account and rather than just letting it squander, would you not rather have peace of mind and, you know, that if something happens to you, that things are taken care of or else your disposable income is actually out earning money for you? Because if you just leave it in the bank, the bank doesn't pay any interest rate. The bank pays you, actually charges you to keep your money there. So would you not be better putting it away into a fund that's actually going to go and beat inflation? And we all know what inflation is at the moment. So you should be out putting your money to work and trying to harness all your good work and actually put your money to good use. Sean, you mentioned the pandemic, uh, and I suppose that has changed how we spend a more card, less cash. Uh, has that time also shared for people to take a maybe a, a step back and say, well, how are their finances going and what is going to be uh, ahead of them for the future in relation to their finances? I wouldn't say it's been more or less. Um, it has, if anything, it's given people more time. Um, you know, business has stayed the same. For, for financial advisors and maybe this is a problem with the industry and well, sorry it's one of the problems of the industry that, that we identified and are looking to disrupt is you can meet financial advisors in their office nine to five like I used to work in you know back in the day with when I was working with the national group and I used to go and visit people's home at eight nine ten o'clock to help them sort out their finances and those days are kind of dwindling away because people don't want people coming into their home so much anymore and it's not not a bad thing but you know, with financial advisors as well going to meet them in the office, you know, those days are going. The, the days of getting recommendations from your mum and dad about who their financial advisors were, they're they're pretty much gone. Because I talked about the uh, uh, age advice gap. The problem is, is because most financial advisors the, are over fifty-five. You know, the the median age for financial advisors in Ireland is fifty-three. I think fifty-five. But then you have a lot of financial advisors who are over sixty. Um, and the problem is, is that the people who are underserved and who are normally looked over are the people who are under 40 and who are starting out. Why? Because they don't big, be, bring big enough premiums to those financial advisors. And the financial advisors only have a certain amount of time. The industry is way down so much by admin and paperwork that it's, it's nearly criminal because financial advisors will meet five to seven people a week maximum. So that's five to seven hours where they're doing financial reviews. The rest of the time is on paperwork and over and back and chasing things. Whereas, again, by harnessing technology, we just wanted to, you know, sit and watch an X Factor on a Saturday night in your pajamas. We know you like to, Kieran, <laughs> but it's where anyone can do it anytime. And I used to call it kind of like Tom Thumb Finance. It's like you can do it anywhere you want. 
and just get the answers. Now, all our software is backed up by QFAs, and there's always QFAs on hand, but it's just allowing that freedom of time. And I wouldn't say the pandemic has has lit a fire under people, unfortunately. It's just, it gives people a little bit more time to kind of sit down because they're working from home and not commuting. And one thing people understand from the pandemic is the balance of work, personal life. And people are getting to see now that, oh, hold on a minute, I don't have to be stuck on, whether it's the M50 or commuting and, and, and doing, you know, I know people who used to do like four hours commuting a day, two in, two out, because they're stuck in traffic on bad days. And so I was like, why would you bother waste 20 hours of your life um, every single week um, on, on commuting when you have a better quality of life now and people are beginning to see that, you know, I have more time at home, it means I'm happier. So again, what we're trying to do is open up that side, just say, listen, do it anytime, and you don't have to come meet us. If you do, we'll meet you on Zoom because you, know, you don't have to travel. A very good lead on to the next question. You mentioned calling to people's homes, Sean, and that was obviously a very personal touch. And suppose trust is a huge element of what you do. Everything's based on trust. So are we getting away from the age where people were calling to people or seeing them face to face? And is the younger generation much happier to do things online and without seeing somebody else at the other side of the phone or at the other side of the table? Absolutely, absolutely. 78% of millennials specifically go online and research financial products before they actually go ahead and purchase one. We know more and more people are purchasing financial products online. We know the banks are pushing everybody online, like with people and the, or the branches being closed. And if you walk into a bank, they're all pushing you online. Studies show that especially millennials and digital natives, they want to do things on their own. I remember a study from 2011 by Decipher Research that showed that 80% of millennials want one place to do to manage all their money. Did that surprise you? It surprised, what's, more, what's more surprising is that nothing's been created yet. It's like, because I, I grew up in what's, well, not grew up, sorry, over the last nine years, I've been immersed in the fintech sector, which is finance and technology together. And what's just baffled me is that people have went out and created apps for saving money and, you know, skimming, rounding up to the next euro and putting that into savings fund. All brilliant innovations. Or people have created uh, companies that look after your pension specifically. And we know there's a plethora of websites out there that offer cheap life insurance, but Nobody would actually offer a software that offers a financial plan, which is what we have wanted to do all along. So the surprising thing is that it hasn't been done yet, which is what we hope to do. So what can you offer uh, people that they can't get in a rail, Sean? Uh, this is a good one. Like When we chat in the start world, it comes down to what's our, our unique selling point. Right? Um, what's unique about us is that we strip away, right, there's a few things a few things in here, is that we strip out all the jargon and we're not happy unless everyone understands what they're doing. The second is we'll offer a wholly digital experience so people do it on their phone. Whether, again, whether you have to chat to us, that's grand, we'll chat on the phone, we'll do it by Zoom. So it's going to be a completely new digital experience where you can actually come in first and discover using our software, and by the way, a, a footnote I have to add is our software is in testing at the moment, the big power of what we're doing. It's in testing at the moment, so we hope to have that ready in the next next month or two. And there, we'll take a break. Business Matters, in association with the Faculty of Business at ATU Donegal. 
The part-time Level 8 Honours degree in business is delivered through a mix of online and face-to-face lectures. Email execedbusiness at lyit.ie. That's E-X-E-C-E-D business at lyit.ie. Or call 9186206. You're welcome back. Before the break, Sean was explaining what makes his business unique and different. Our business strategy follows the same footprint. You come to us and first of all discover exactly specific to you what you need from a financial plan. Do you need life insurance? Do you need pension? If so, how much? What's your investments? What's your risk appetite? Things like this. First, it's discovery. Second, assess whether that's suitable for you, whether it's affordable. Because you may think, ah, yeah, I want to put 500 a month into, you know, Zurich Prisma Fund 6 because it's high risk. I'm like, grand, but, you know, you've only, we've done our calculations and you only have like 300 disposable income, so let's, let's be safe. And we'll always give the best advice for the person. The big thing for us is price, right? Um, and, and this is something that's really unspoken about in the market is the commissions that are made by brokers. So along with our huge education piece, what we're trying to do is educate people, is one of these things is educating about the price of what they're buying when they buy a pension, when they buy life insurance. So when you look at protection policies, like income protection, life insurance, you'll go into a broker and they'll say, you don't have to pay me, that's grand, I get a kickback from the insurer. And that's true. But that kickback that they get is built into your monthly premiums every single month. So you take a 20-year policy, you're paying commission to that broker for 20 years, effectively. When you look at pensions and investments, the big thing to look at here is your allocation rate. Because if the broker takes a big commission from finding, you know, from that kickback, if they take a big commission, then essentially your allocation rate might not be what you think it is. So... To put that into practice, if you put in a hundred thousand to an investment fund, who who has a hundred thousand, right? But bear with me for for uh, for keeping it simple. So if you put in a hundred thousand, the government want one percent as a levy straight away. So now you, your money has turned into ninety nine thousand. What people don't know is that because us as advisors bring that money to an investment company, we won't name names. Every one of those investment companies will give us an allocation of 103 or 103.5%. So what that means is that that 100,000 is instantly turned into 3.5 or 103,500. So if I took zero commission, then essentially that 103,500 goes into your fund and then the government take off 1% levy. So what a lot of people, what a lot of brokers don't do is talk about what are those commissions. So what we'll do is that we'll take less. Obviously, we have to pay the bills and we have to make money somewhere. So we'll take less commission so that at least your government levy is covered. So we'll give you 101% so that at least when the government takes off the 1%, you still have your 100,000, you know, and then we'll look to kick things on from there. So what we can offer for protection or for uh, investment policies and pensions is the best rates anywhere in Ireland because we will, we're not doing this race to the bottom, but we just don't have the overheads that other brokers have. We're wholly digital. We have spent three years building this new software because we haven't used the old software. We've parked that and left it there and we built this new software. And obviously, massive shout out goes out to Marchin, Marchin Blazik, um, who's built this sing- single handedly and we've 
taking in resources from firing away to be able to build this. But that's going to be a huge piece, is educating people on the exact cost. And one thing I didn't miss or mention on the investments and pensions is things called trail commissions and renewal commissions. Kickbacks to the advisors every single year that that policy is live because they set it up. Now, you might not talk to that advisor for 10, 15 years after, but they're getting a portion of your fund every single year, which isn't right if they're not doing the job. So education, a brand new digital experience, you know, taking out all the jargon of financial services and cost. You know, we have ran calculations and scenarios and he'd come on saying that we save people thousands, but we do, especially if you're doing long-term investments or long-term policies. Sean, what sort of reaction have you had to date? It's been very encouraging. Like we we got our we got our license back in in April when we could have, have went to market, but obviously we had to cross T's and dot a few I's, and we we have agency agreements with all the top insurers in Ireland. So there's four of them in place, one's pending now, um, and there's there's five insurers. And then with the banks as well, obviously, because we're a mortgage broker as well. And it's it's that's, you know, I suppose I should have mentioned earlier, that is the big kicker, is that people really don't understand mortgages as well as they should and what their options are. Now, the majority of people will just go to their bank and maybe one other, whereas it's a huge market out there, and people tend to forget the off-main streets mortgage providers like ICS, like Finance Ireland, who are very, very competitive in the field. So it's you know, getting feedback from people who are just, I didn't have a clue about this. And, and what I try and do is as well, and this is a, a big plug to follow us on social media, as we put up daily videos and a little bit of how-tos, and we're trying to put up very relevant content. But we're getting great engagement so far. And it's a we're sitting a little bit frustrated as well because our software you know uh, is nearing its uh, its completion date and we're dying to get that out in the market but people have you can go onto our website which is rethinkmoney.ie of course plug um, and sign up for what's called a beta version of our software and beta essentially means that we're going to release it to these people first and let them play around with the software and see how simple it is before it's released in the market but we've we're inundated with those requests so far, um, and yeah, things are really taking off. Is the deadline imminent? Yeah, we're. Uh, I love, and Martin will be sitting laughing at the other side of the radio when he's hearing this because, uh, again, as I suppose the founder and the person who's really driving this, I'm not a techie person. Now I can manage Excel and I can do a bit of coding and what's called VBA, the Excel like uh, in depth at that. But the genius of the software and, and Marching Blessing has spent years building a really, really strong functional backend. Now what we're doing is just putting on, I suppose using my terms correctly, putting on a nice interface. Because so, what's so important to what we're doing is what's called UX design. It's user experience. In other words, it's, it's customer experience, CX design. And it's making sure that the flow and the interface are working impeccably because we don't want to lose traffic as soon as we go out. So that's been worked on, you know, between here and uh, we have talent as well uh, in Turkey as well that are actually working on it. So I'm told a couple of weeks um, and then we're going to start releasing it. Uh, so I would say one to two months because my expectations are obviously far greater and um, we know that technology can run into some problems and teething issues but we want to make sure we're not going to wait forever to get it out but we want to make sure that again we're starting with a strong foot 
yourself and your business partner are a great example, I suppose, Sean, of patience and persistence. You've talked about your, your nine-year journey uh, and it's been f- uh, filled with ups and downs. Mm. Was there ever a stage in the process where you thought, you know, I've had enough of this project, I'm going to walk away and leave it? Um, it was it was tough um, in 2019 because we, in 2018, we had a very successful pilot and the other business was called My Money Platform and it was the same category as what we were doing today, but it was just built a little bit differently. And the idea of that software is that we sold it to banks and insurers and allowed them to add standardization to their financial selling process. So 2018, we worked with one bank in particular and we did a pilot and they paid us handsomely for for doing that pilot and everything went well you know the key performance indicator the the kpis were smashed we we exceeded expectations they brought us down to a hotel retreat that all their financial planning managers were on and took me in up on stage in front of a hundred odd senior people at the bank and says this is the way we're going 2019 is all revolving around this software and what we're doing and we agreed a deal, and the deal was going to set the business up for five to ten years at least, and we were all happy, singing and dancing. And then we got a couple of delays over the Christmas period, and then the kicker came in, it was late March, early April, when they decided to do a U-turn and renege on, on the agreement. Now, there was nothing signed, they didn't do anything illegal, it was just... Like I said earlier, they left us at the altar, <laughs> and uh, there might have been a few tears back then. But you know, listen, on the inside, never on the outside, or not on the outside for this stuff. But at the end of the day, it's just business. And I had always believed that this business idea, this strategy, would work because, like I said off air, Kieran earlier on, is if I didn't make money from it, I'd just release the software, and people would still use it because people still need that help. So the week that we got dropped by, I nearly said their name, by, by this particular bank, we won a national competition. Now this was for, I'm trying not to say the name, but this was for a, a brand that everybody knows that was coming to the mortgage market. And we won a national, it was actually an international competition for a software that could best engage with clients to allow these this institution to qualify leads and get them down the mortgage route okay after two months and we got a little bit of prize money after two months of that they went back on their strategy and pulled out of their intent to go for the mortgage market i think they couldn't get the funding but anyway so having those couple of setbacks straight one after the other and then a third bank came sniffing and we were in for a couple of presentations and that's when in 2019 we says you know what, this isn't going to work. Like myself and Marchin have two young families and that obviously, when that happens, that's a, that's a different priority and we'd spent long enough trying to, to get this through the doors and kick down the doors of banks and insurers to make this uh, appealing enough that they'd, they'd sign the cheque. But at that stage, we says, you know what, that's not going to work. And I suppose there was a couple of weeks there where we're like, well, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do? But it was very, very easy for us to hop over to the sides and go, we just go the long way around and we take it to the market ourselves. And, you know, the worst case scenario, as I said, is that we're another intermediary, but we've got a digital focus. Best case scenario for us now is that we're building out a brand. We want, you know, our brand is rethink money. It's a call to action. It's essentially rethink what you know about money. So our, the best case scenario is that 
that works, that people get on board with what we believe in and what we believe the market is turning into um, and, and what, what, what clients want from, from a broker and that that takes off and we can hopefully take Ireland by storm. It's very evident, Sean, that finance is very much your passion. But if you had followed your childhood dream job, what would you be doing today? It's, yeah, that's interesting. Um, I suppose everybody at some stage, and you know me from footballing days, I was throwing myself around like Peter Schmeichel back in the days and thinking thinking that it could go down that route. You know, um, I don't think maybe that's what, what mum might have wanted. Um, but... Uh, from there, there was a couple of passions that I kind of followed, and and one had I said if I hadn't done what I'm doing, that I might have followed Dad's footsteps and went down the paramedic route, um, and 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 worked with ambulance service. But you know, I think it's something that's just come before. Like Dad was, as you know, is my idol, and um, <clears throat> you know, always looked up to Dad and people who went out of their way to help. You know, um, to help other people, um, and I think everybody has got got that light shone on, on that side now through the COVID pandemic and, and what people have went through. So I've always wanted to do that um, and, and go down that route. And I'm never, uh, it's funny, something I've, I've talked with the wife uh, about recently is that that's never off the table. That's always something that I'd, I, I might revisit down the line um, after, you know, the business ventures, etc. Um And yeah, I just think it's, you know, I'm not trying to give personal shout outs to the people or to, to certain sectors, but I just think what they do is phenomenal. And I have a few friends that have followed down that route, and I couldn't hold them in any higher regard, to be honest. Tell me, Sean, is there a person in business that you admire most? Um, there's, there's none, no singular person. Um, I, I try and ever since I was young, and from I remember going into uh, during my college days and going into different businesses and just watching how people operate and how managers operate and trying to learn from them um, and, and try to follow a few rules. Um, if you've ever read, read Simon Sinek's book, you know, starting with why, you know, it's, it's, it's essentially getting to the foundation of why you want to start a business. It's simple for us because we want to help people understand personal finance once and for all. And maybe even if we're that successful, have Ireland that is a shining beacon where, you know what, everyone's on top of their finances. They know what they're doing. They know how simple it is to understand. So I try and follow different mantras. You know, when we look at the investment side, you know, I, you could go in and pick out a, a few specific investors. But it's strange, but the some people who I admire most is, and I don't know if this is just symmetry to what I've come through, is people who have persevered. The likes of Colonel Sanders, who knocked on every door and couldn't didn't start KFC until the sixties. One of my favorite movies, apart from like one of my favorites, The Big Short. But besides to that, the close second would be The Founder. You know about McDonald's, about how Ray Kroc um, came across McDonald's. Right, what he did might have been a little bit underhanded about how he took McDonald's and, and built the empire. But that perseverance to actually never quit, and when you see an idea and you believe in something, follow it with all your passion. Um, so there's been many, there's been many that I, I listened to and followed to, but none that I'd pick out specifically and, and give them all the credit because, you know, Ireland's a great haven. The Northwest is a great haven for people um, who are entrepreneurially minded. So, yeah, it's just everyone who kind of picks up and just sticks the, the, the hat on and says, you know what, I'm going to make this work. And finally, Sean, what lies ahead for yourself and Rethink Money Limited? So, obviously, we have a we have a big launch now with the software coming up. Um, 
we have a very big marketing strategy. Um, so what we're, we're trying to do now is we're, we're launched as a business and we're taking appointments and I'm sitting with people doing Zoom meetings, which I should say, so people can, can reach out um, with us on our website and make appointments even directly through there. So while we get the software up and running through beta testing, the next step then is that you know, Donegal is getting to see this first, this business model. And as soon as we have crossed T's and dot I's and made it work to a good standard here, then we have a marketing strategy to, to go live across Ireland and to launch in Ireland. Now, we'll, we'll spend a lot of time getting that right and, and making sure our business strategy is, is very strong. Um, and But our intentions then are if that works, then it's an export model. It's something that we can look to take across first into Northern Ireland and use some cross-border initiatives to do that. But once we're in there, we're into the UK. Um, and again, because Western society treats personal finances you know pretty much the same way we actually have a license that we can go and export into into the eu as it stands now brexit unfortunately scuppered our plans for what's called passporting sorry to explain that is our license now works in the eu that we could go to france tomorrow and um and start our, our same business but we can't do that in the uk because of brexit but that's our next step now that might be a year, might be two years, might depend on funding um, as well. But yeah, we have we have big dreams. It's trying to go big or go home. My dad always says so. Sean McNulty, managing director of Rethink Money Limited. Thanks for taking the time today to talk to us on Business Matters. Karen, thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Well, that's it for this edition of Business Matters. Thanks to my guest Sean McNulty. Thanks to Kenneth Wilson on sound, and thanks to you for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with the program drop an email to businessmatters at highlandradio.com. Business Matters, in association with the Faculty of Business at ATU Donegal. The part-time Level 8 Honours degree in business is delivered through a mix of online and face-to-face lectures. Email execedbusiness at lyit.ie. That's E-X-E-C-E-D business at lyit.ie or call 9186206.